Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. So now we started the creep of Airfingers, quote, canceling student debt. This is nothing more than a giveaway to overeducated, useless people. How do, How is this? Who is this benefiting? People that never got the opportunity to go to college now are going to be subsidizing one of two groups of people that went to college. Either the people that studied bisexual Asian poetry with a major in underwater basket weaving or people that have loaded up student debt in grad school. In other words, you want to talk about welfare for the rich? It's right up there with tax credits for EVs and solar panels. How does this reduce inflation? How does this reduce the debt? How does this reduce the deficit? It doesn't. This could cost up to $300 billion. And there are just enough NPR tote-bagging idiot leftists that don't seem to concern themselves with the people that either joined the military, paid off their student loan, or went into the workforce or started a business who have no hand in this. Now, I'm not going to arrogantly sit here and say college is not for everyone, even though it's true because I went to college. But as I always take the opportunity to evangelize the book, to evangelize the book, Charles Percy Snow's The Two Cultures and the Scientific Revolution. He was a, if you don't know the, the, the backstory, if you don't know my, my love for the book, he was a chemist who during World War II left Oxford or Cambridge, I forget which one, to go work on, on weapons programs, to work on the war effort, as did many engineers, uh, uh, medical school professors, uh, chemists, and the like leaving behind the university system to the useless humanities. His worry was that the humanities would eventually take over the university system, first in England, then in the United States, that the track to chancellor would no longer be from the sciences, it would be from the humanities and the so-called arts. But one poignant point in the book that he makes is that when people from the working class the sons and daughters of factory workers or farmers in England got the opportunity to go to Cambridge or Oxford. They chose majors that they knew would pay them an immediate salary upon graduation, which is why they most often, often chose the track of engineering and medicine. They didn't have time to study literature or theater or music, only to go off to London and become an intellectual layabout. They had to earn a paycheck to support their families. If people are, look, if you are a trust fund baby and you want to go to uh, NYU, you want to find yourself here in New York City, you want to study bisexual Asian poetry, you want to take a, you want to take a music appreciation. That's a major. Would you like to hear some music? I'd appreciate that. And you rack up a quarter million dollars in student loans and you go huh i can't find a job in music appreciation well that's on you there are two basic principles into borrowing money borrow money pay it back that's the end so now if you worked your ass off if you worked your ass off to pay off your student loans maybe you you deferred your your gratification it took you i didn't buy my first new car till i was 30 
It was a Jeep Wrangler Sport. Nothing fancy. If you worked your ass off to pay off your student loans or you served in the military, the thanks you get, the reward you get, is paying off someone else's student loan. That's what you get. That's the thanks you get. That's the, what do you get for more good work? More work. Winesick 695, Patriot 9572874. We're creating welfare for, we're, 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 we're creating a welfare program now for the middle class or the upper class or even rich people. So maybe you're a lawyer and you don't feel like paying off your student loans even though you're making money as a lawyer. Now everyone else gets to pay for your law degree. You know, when you think about taking out a student loan, we sell this, go to college, go to college, take out a loan, go to college. If you choose a major, you I, I guess, and I, I hate to say it, you kind of have to be forced to choose a major that's going to provide you uh, the tools to get a job to pay off that loan. The idea that everybody's just entitled to have this, you know, four years of just you know, I just found myself in college. You know, I experimented with things. I tried bisexuality or whatever. No. Nobody owes you that. Nobody owes it to you to find your activist soul or to read great literature. And by the way, that was something I couldn't stand in college. And I even I even more look back on it after reading Charles Percy. Is there anything more useless than a literature course? How many of you how many of you that went to college took a literature course? My first thought upon taking a literature course was this. Why are you telling me what's it why are you assigning me a book and then telling me what it says? As does, does an author write a book to connect with a college professor who's going to tell students what the what the book was about or is a, a reader supposed to address, assess that for themselves? Part of great literature is the connection between the author and the reader, not a go-between. Not a go-between. One of my favorite movies of all time, did you ever see Back to School, a scene where uh, Thornton Mellon, Rodney Dangerfield, hires Kurt Vonnegut to write a paper about Kurt Vonnegut and his professor, played by Sally, Sally Kellerman, goes, I don't know who you wrote, who wrote this paper for you, but he didn't know the first thing about Kurt Vonnegut. That's an analogy in a nutshell. The literature professor thought she knew more about Vonnegut's work than Vonnegut. It's like the idiot rock critics who will tell you the meaning of lyrics without ever interviewing the person that wrote them. There's a very famous video. I, if I, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to play it for this program. You can see it for yourself. Very famous video of Don, not of Don Henley sitting there sitting there watching clips of, 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 you know, rock critics explaining Hotel California. And they go, so finally, can you tell us what Hotel California meant? He's like, nothing, it just sounded good. We just wrote it. What? For, for decades, people were parsing up the lyrics of Hotel California. Well, it's, a, it's the fight between good and evil and Satan. And then the guy who actually wrote Hotel California is like, no, it's none of that. But there were people smugly smugly 
convinced of their own superiority that they could hear a song like Hotel California. Well, you, you have to understand, it's, it's, it, it's got such deep meaning. No, it doesn't. Don Henley said so. He wrote it. You know? It's like the idiots who go, well, Stairway to Heaven, shut up! It's the same thing with some of these college courses. You want to make, you want to make college more affordable? Make it three years. Cut out the useless, useless, forced elective classes that do not teach anybody anything. Get in, get your major, get out. Well, see, it's supposed to be a universal education. Well, it costs money then. So if you want this, you know, broadening, this broadening education, then pay for it. Andrew, you're, you sound so ignorant. It's so ignorant. Let me ask you. Would the word I, I don't even like the use of the word liberal anymore because it doesn't. It doesn't really have meaning. It doesn't have meaning. But isn't it a tad illiberal to force people in blue collar professions to subsidize people who get seemingly meaningless degrees? from universities. That's why whenever I hear, well, you know, the blue cities tend to have more educated people. Educated in what? Don't tell me how many books you've read. Tell me what you've read. I'd rather deal with someone that's never read a book than a person that's read a volume of garbage. Weinzick 695, Patriot 9572874. By the way, and we're going to be, I'm going to be, there's a lot to synthesize. I'm not saying that you can't synthesize it, but for the purpose of this, for making it radio or television friendly. If you do any research, any simple research on how electric vehicles are going to be produced as the government forces demand for electric vehicles, you're going to go, you know what, you're going to take away this that doesn't seem very sustainable or environmental. And what do I mean by sustainable? The massive, 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 massive land footprints. When you talk about, you know, deforestation, right? Paper consumption, timber. You could always plant more trees. Oil rigs could always be dismantled. Pipelines could even be dismantled. It's not a lot going back once you start building these man-made grid lakes that are used to uh, distill, if you will, lithium or nickel or any of the other components. And as the demand rises, there's going to be a tipping point where governments start to say, okay, the demand is too great. We can no longer do this. We're going to have to, we're going to have, see, the goal is to look at it right now. What is the average price of an electric vehicle? $60,000? 60 grand? Well, we'll give you a subsidy. Oh, that's just free then. Okay, well, then we'll give you $7,500. Woo! It's just free. The goal now is to make privately owned transportation more expensive. The goal of affirmatively furthering fair housing, if you read into it, is to make home ownership near impossible. Look at what we did to education. That's the model. You raise a tax 
for education, making choice in education near impossible for the overwhelming majority. And then after two, four, six, eight, ten years, you create a no social condition where people just become accustomed to, well, my kids go to this school and I'm going to ride this train and I'm going to live in that apartment and I'm going to get my food rationing card and I'll see the doctor when the government says so. That's where we're headed. And every one of these programs, every one of these subsidies, every one of these taxpayer-funded boondoggles is just another stone in the avalanche. That's all that it is. Wine six ninety five Patriot nine five seven two eight seven four. Let's see. Do we have the audio? I'm sure we do. Let me look at my cut sheet here before I go to break. A. No, we don't have it, do we? We're going to have to get it. Uh, the man who confronted uh, Elizabeth Warren, who was like, uh, I paid off my student loans, so I get my money back. And she's like, no. Yeah, you don't get jack back if you paid off your student loans. You don't get jack if you served in the military. You'd The thanks you get is paying off someone else's student loans, stupid American taxpayer. And oh, by the way, you're going to be paying to educate the migrant kids and probably put them through college too. The stupid sucker American taxpayer. We're right. They're wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilcom Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125.